Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. This this is cool. We have new digs here for the show. We're on TV. We're at denversports.com. Look at this. We've got a studio, got the backdrop. I got my microphone here. I kind of feel like a little bit of a cross between Colin Cowherd and Larry King. Hello. You're on the air. Uh, now, as you, I already see a, dig, a big difference here uh, compared to the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach by because Zach, I don't know, was he shy or something? Because I saw him do his podcast and he was like looking down all the time, looking down at his notes. Hey, I, I want to talk to you. Besides, look at this face. I eat the lens. I'm a little worried though. Sean, am I putting out a lot of glare off my forehead here? Is this a big forehead, a little shiny. Do I need to, do I need to put any kind of powder on this? Are we good? Thumbs up. We're good. All right, here we go. Lots to talk about. We're doing this podcast at a time when the Avs are in a little bit of a break. Uh, they're coming off the back-to-back games against St. Louis on Saturday and Edmonton on Sunday. They don't play again until Friday in Winnipeg. And the, the schedule itself is it, it's really weird, isn't it? Is that you've got a league in which they – they compress the schedule. You get the dreaded back-to-backs. Jared Bednar was complaining recently about the back-to-backs. And, you know, I, I think it, it's something that, look, it's not a recent phenomenon, folks, okay? They've been playing back-to-backs and four games in five nights and seven games in 11 nights for decades now. So I, I don't really want to use it as an excuse for, for what's happening uh, with the Avs at any point. Besides, they had back-to-backs last year, and they handled it just fine. But it is kind of an oddity, isn't it, with the schedule right now, in that you come off the All-Star break, you have time off during the All-Star break, you start to play, you have some back-to-backs, and then all of a sudden you get this time off uh, between games Sunday to, to Friday. And um, But it's, it's something for the Avs to take advantage of, get healed up, get rested, but they will be without Kale McCarr. And... The Kale McCarr story is is one that I really want to get into here because I got a, a lot of different thoughts on it. So you know the story by now. Kale, Kale gets hit by Jeff Carter in the Pittsburgh game, first game after the All-Star break, and he suffers a concussion. And he's out for a handful of games, comes back against St. Louis, and in the St. Louis game he gets hit. And the initial thought is, well, it was his nose. His visor gets gets knocked down, jammed down in a way that hits his nose. He leaves the ice and gets treated for what the Avs say is a, is a nose injury, right? A nose issue. So that's why he was allowed to come back into the game. Neither the independent spotter, concussion spot, spotter, nor the Avalanche ever really thought that there was uh, any kind of concussion uh, that they needed to check for. And that's why he was allowed to return. He ended up developing uh, more concussion symptoms. He gets put in the concussion protocol, and he's going to miss these weekend games against um, Winnipeg and Calgary. See, here's here's my problem with with what how the NHL and the Avs both let McCarr down. And look, let me let's get this right out front. The Avs have done an amazing job over the last several years. Okay, they've done far more things right than wrong, but in this case. They didn't handle this right. 
and, and here's why. Uh, you've got a player who suffers a concussion. We all know. Anybody out there who has coached youth sports, you know you have to take the concussion class before you're able to, able to go on and coach basketball or soccer or uh, baseball, youth baseball, youth sports. You have to go through the concussion program. And what's the one thing you learn is that once somebody has a concussion, the likelihood of them having another one quickly is is much higher. So you have to be very careful when you allow a, a player to come back. And if he, if he takes any kind of a hit, you have to really be on guard for that. And what I don't understand is why either the independent spotter or the or the avalanche didn't understand that, okay, Kale McCarr goes out with what they think is a nose injury. Well, <laughs> you know that this guy just had a concussion uh, 10 days ago. He gets hit violently enough in the face, the nose, the face, the head, that you might connect either the abs or the spotter might connect and say, hey, maybe this is something we ought to really be careful about because the guy just had a concussion. Maybe it's just a nose, but maybe we ought to be really careful and not let this guy come back. So in that regard, I think that the NHL, the independent spotter, and the avalanche let Kale McCarr down because here's the thing. Kale McCarr is not going to self-report. Okay, that's You're asking athletes in all sports – something that's been ingrained in them for decades, century, years and years and years. You just players don't self-report head injuries. They just don't. They got their bell rung. Um they're, they're a little foggy. Ah, well, I'll be okay. It's just it's part of the athlete's uh, creed to continue to play through it. And so a guy like Kale McCarr, he, you know, especially hockey players. I mean, these are guys that, you know, take a, a, a puck to the mouth and get a, a tooth dislodged and they're back out there the next period, or they take a stick to the cheek, they get stitched up and they're back out there hardly missing a shift. It's amazing. So you have to, as a team, as a league, you have to protect the player from himself. That's just the way it is. You have to protect the player from himself. And especially when it's a guy like Kale McCarr. Look, I don't want the NHL to get to a point where they're completely babying their athletes like Major League Baseball babies its pitchers or the NBA babies all of its players. I don't want the NHL to get to that point ever, okay? I want there to remain a certain level of, uh, of toughness and, hey, shake it off and, and play through pain, play through injury. I want them to – I don't want them to ever lose sight of that, but as you get – to this this point of, of where the Avalanche are and where the NHL is, you got to protect your stars. And it's why I was so upset on the initial hit with Jeff Carter going upstairs on, on Kale McCarr. The, the NA, and I talked about this in a podcast a, a couple weeks ago when it first happened. The NHL disciplinary board, it, it – you gotta, you got to recognize who the player is, and you've got to recognize the marquee level value of that player and what he means to the team, what he, but what he means to the game, you know? And, and a guy like Kale McCarr is a star. He's one of your top five players in the league. For my money, he's the best player in the league because of what he can do on both ends of the ice. And so you have to protect these guys. Not only do you have to protect these guys 
from each other. You got to protect the the fourth liner from himself. You got to protect the first line center uh, or first pairing defenseman from himself. But when it comes to the the value of the player and his star level, yeah. There, there has to be an element of, and I know hockey hates this because they hate to put one player above another. But in this case, I think it is crucial that you recognize that there are certain stars in this league that help, that are the brand of your league, that, that you use to promote your league, promote your game, promote your teams, and you have to protect those guys. And so I thought the, I thought the NHL did a terrible job when it came to protecting McCarr with the hit with Jeff Carter especially when they had the chance to go back and look at it, you send a message. If you're the league, send a message. You're not going to go upstairs and hit our best players in the head and get away with it. The NHL failed there, and I thought they failed again, and the Avalanche failed. They don't make many mistakes, but I think in this case they did make a mistake. Um, The Avs are not infallible. Uh, They can make mistakes, especially when you live within that hockey culture that the Avs are still very much a part of, that – Hey, if the player is okay to return, he doesn't show signs of being concussed, he's cleared, get him back out there. You know what? If you're in the playoffs, that's something you want to think about. But when you're talking about the regular season, I think you do have to protect the player from himself. And, yeah, what the Avalanche are doing right now, there is a certain urgency to the games that the Avalanche are playing. But I heard it suggested, one of our shows were talking about it on the fan and said, hey, the Avs are in a desperate situation right now. No, they're not. <laughs> the Avalanche the Avalanche are not in a desperate situation right now. Their games are important. They have to rack up points. They have to make sure that they uh, do enough to make sure that they clinch a playoff spot. But they're not in a desperate situation. As we sit here right now, they're in the playoffs. As we sit here right now, they're climbing up the standings. As we sit here right now, they're only uh, uh, two, four, six points behind the teams ahead of them in their division, but they have two to three games in hand. They're in, they're in good shape, okay? I've never felt like the Avalanche, even when they were struggling, bottoming out with that loss to Chicago that precipitated the team meeting, I never felt like they were in a desperate situation. I never felt like... Um, that they were they were in real danger of missing the playoffs. I always felt that the Avs would do what they needed to do, flip the switch when they needed to flip the switch, and do enough to make sure they got in the playoffs. And then once they're in the playoffs, who cares where they're seated? Who cares where they're seated? Who cares who the opponent is? Who cares if they have home ice or not? It doesn't matter to me. Because as long as the Avalanche are in the playoffs and they're relatively whole and healthy, there's nobody I sweat. Like, take example, for example... The weekend series, the back-to-back games with, uh, with, with St. Louis and, and Edmonton. St. Louis was the only team last year that gave the Avs any kind of pushback along the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And they've broken everything up. More on them in a moment. Edmonton. I went into this season, and we were talking about the possibility of teams that could challenge the Avs this year. And, and people were trying to bring up Edmonton. And my reaction was, you mean the same Edmonton team that the Avalanche swept? In the playoffs last year, suddenly this is the team I got to sweat? Come on. And we saw it again. Edmonton back-to-back, blowing 3 nothing leads. They blew another 3 nothing lead uh, against the Avs. The Avs come back, stirring win, and they're playing a back-to-back. Um, they don't have Kale McCarr, and yet they still beat Edmonton. That's, that's one of the reasons why I look at the Avalanche, especially in the Western Conference. And this is something I've talked about 
on this this Mile High Hockey Hockey podcast before is there's nobody in the West that I feel can really challenge this team. There's nobody in the West that I look at and say this team's going to be able to beat the Avalanche four times in a seven game series. Yeah, I mean, could they extend the Avs to six games, seven games? Yeah, but actually beat the Avs four times, I don't see it. And so as as we look at the Avs situation right now, it's why I just don't feel like they're they're in a position where they're playing desperate hockey right now and and they're in a desperate situation and they have to make sure that they rush guys back to the lineup. I, I just I don't see it at all. I think they can still continue to play the long game with the knowledge they're going going to be in the playoffs. And then once they're in the playoffs, let it roll. Uh, I mentioned St. Louis. And, boy, it stung me to see Ryan O'Reilly traded to Toronto. And, by the way, we're doing this podcast the day after O'Reilly scored a hat trick for Toronto. I make no bones about the fact that that was the guy I wanted the Avalanche to go after. Once this season started... Let's go back and set up the storyline. When this season started and the Avs chose not to re-sign Nazem Kadri, which, by the way, I agreed with the decision, the idea was, hey, we're going to let the young players be given a chance to see if they can step up into that role. If not, feel pretty secure in the knowledge that the Avs front office, Joe Sackett, Chris McFarland would go out and make a a big-time move, a significant move to go out and get a second-line center. And, boy, that pool has dried up, hasn't it now? Bo Horvat, um, Jonathan Taves, and now Ryan O'Reilly. And O'Reilly was my guy from day one. I had <laughs> I had no misgivings about bringing Ryan O'Reilly back here. I, I know some Avs fans, you did not ever get over what happened with O'Reilly when he left here and never wanted him back. Psh, water under the bridge, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, th- this would be exactly what the Avalanche would need to go out and win another Stanley Cup. And you've already seen the impact that O'Reilly's had in Toronto now that he's left a situation in St. Louis where it was a losing situation, they weren't playing for anything. He gets a chance to go to Toronto and and play for a team that's a contender. You could just see how it's really energized O'Reilly. He would have brought that same thing to the Avs. So the fact that they they missed out on O'Reilly, no Horvat, no Taves, there's still people out there. But I think now we're starting to to wonder are the Avs going to be aggressive? Should the Avs be aggressive at the trade deadline and go out and get themselves a second-line center? Put it this way. I'll, I'll put the question out, and I'll present it in, in this, this fashion. Right now, when you look at JT Comfer or Alex Newhook or anybody else that might play that center position, the second-line center position, do you feel that that player can give you the same or more than what you got from Nazem Kadri last year in the playoffs. If you think he can, okay. Then you know what? You run out JT Comfer as your second-line center, Alex Newhook as your third-line center, and away you go. I, 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 wouldn't leave it, I wouldn't want to leave that to chance. Uh, come the playoffs, come the long playoff run, I wish I would, I would rather the Avs had an embarrassment of riches and to the point where you're putting a JT Comfer as your third-line center. I still want to see the Avs go out and get a bona fide second-line center. Now, the question is, who's out there? Uh, Some of the names that I just mentioned are gone. You still hear guys like Patrick Kane 
uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline here in a couple of weeks, you're going to have teams that are going to look at their situation and just decide, hey, we're we're out of it. Uh, it's time to trade off pieces. And, and there may be some guys out there that are available that we're not even talking about right now. Um, Dylan Larkin is a, is a player in Detroit that has been rumored uh, to perhaps be on the move. How about that? How about the Avs working a deal with Detroit to go out and bring in a piece to help the Avs win another Stanley Cup? Whew. I'd love to see it. Uh, I don't know. That's a bit of an unholy alliance right now. I don't know. They're, people in Detroit may not be happy with it. I, you know, I, I, a guy like Dylan Larkin, I'd be very happy with if the Avalanche could rest him away. But uh, we shall see. The other bit of news with the Az, as as we try to envision what this team's going to look like when they come back, is um, the idea of Gabe Landeskog. And great news for Avs fans that, that Landy's back. He was in Denver over the weekend. He was with his beautiful family at the Edmonton game. And he was back out on the ice on Monday skating. And we know the story with Gabe. Had the surgery, arthroscopic surgery in October, 12-week timeline with the idea that he was going to be back in in January. Obviously, that timetable has continued to be pushed back. Uh, Gabe has been uh, spending time in Toronto, Philadelphia. My man Mark Schlereth on the Schlereth and Evans show uh, speculated, I want to stress speculating, that th- this this might be more than just your your basic garden variety knee injury, arthroscopic surgery, that there might be more of a microfracture feel to it where you got to drill holes in the bone and you're trying to create new cartilage and it's the kind of knee injury that can take a long time to come back. There can be starts and stops, which, you know, kind of is what we've, we've seen with, with Gabe throughout this entire thing. Questions is... He going to be able to bounce back? Is he going to be able to string together a consistent couple weeks of practice, get back out there, ramp up, take hits, uh, put himself through a game, be out there, build up his minutes, 10 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night, to the point where you get to his normal workload of about 20 minutes a night? Is he going to be able to do all that? Will the knee respond is he going to be able to do all that in the span of about, what, 25 games so that he's good to go and you can feel confident that he's 100% ready to go for the playoffs? That's asking a lot. Um, you're definitely hopeful that he can pull it off, and if anybody can pull it off, it's Gabe Landeskog, but that's a lot of time to be out. The guy hasn't played NHL hockey since the Stanley Cup Finals, and you're hoping that he's – He's basically it's it's the driving equivalent of you're you're taking your car out and you're merging right onto the autobahn like you know here you go eighty miles per hour you ready to go you ready to fly you ready to keep up so we'll see what happens there um, we wait to see what, if he's going to be able to come back healthy we wait to see what's going to happen with Kale McCarr it's you got to be careful with Kale at at this point you're not playing desperate hockey. Don't let anybody tell you that they're playing desperate games right now. They're not. They're just not. They're going to be fine. They're going to be in the playoffs. But you've got to be super careful with Kale McCarr now because two concussions in the in the span of the last 11 days or so, back in the protocol uh, again, you've got to be just super, super careful with him. And it can't be just, okay, you're cleared. Get on back out there. I, I think you've got to really, really – 
make sure. And if it means that he sits out some extra time, you know Kale's going to be ready to go for the playoffs. So err on the side of caution with him. Let's see if they can get Landeskog up to speed. Uh, let's see what they do at the trade deadline. Um, we talked about this last week on the podcast. He has have a couple of first-rounders coming up in the next couple of years. They don't have second-rounders. They don't have a third-rounder in the next couple of years. So there is somewhat of a limit as to what they can do. But I, I look at it this way, and, and it, it's really as simple as this. The Gabe Landeskog return plus whatever they may do at the trade deadline. Here's why it's so important to, to me. What they have right now, the avalanche that you watch right now, minus Gabe Landeskog and minus whomever they may trade for, that team is good enough to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Firmly believe that. Uh, a combination of what's already here, what's left over, the teams that exist in the Western Conference. Again, I'm sorry. I, I know that I'm probably not supposed to be so arrogant. Some of you will probably think I'm being too arrogant in dismissing the rest of the other teams in the in the Western Conference. I just don't see anybody. I don't see anybody that's going to beat this team four times in a seven-game series. Dallas, Winnipeg, uh, Vegas, um, you know, pick your team. The Kings, Edmonton, Calgary. There's, there's nobody I look at that I, I worry about. So I think the Avalanche, even without Gabe Landeskog, even without addressing uh, the second-line center, Absolutely good enough to win the Western Conference to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, to win the Stanley Cup, and isn't that the goal, right? To win the Stanley Cup, I think you need two things to add. You need Gabe Landeskog back, and you need Gabe Landeskog back 100%, or at least very close to it. And I think you have to go out and make a significant move at the trade deadline to get a second-line center. And you get that second-line center, you get... This playoff runs version of Naz Kadri, and then you're allowed to then push a JT Comfer down, an Alex Newhook down, and now you've got that three, four line roll them out kind of four line depth that you're going to need to go through the long haul of the playoffs. So those are the two things I think the Avalanche need to do if they're going to win the cup to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Honestly, and and I know it's been a season of starts and stops and uh, ups and downs. But th- this team, I guess I have so much trust in this team that even with the ups and downs, I know what's there. And even shorthanded, I know what's there. And it's still pretty darn good, especially in this conference. So that's how I look at the team right now. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with Kale McCarr. Take it easy with Kale. Protect Kale at all costs. Put him in bubble wrap. Treat him like one of these pampered baby NBA players. I know, I know, it's hockey, but still, let's uh, let's give Kale McCarr the NBA player treatment for the time being. Plenty of load management for Kale, and uh, be be sure and be safe with him. And uh, we'll wait to see what happens as we get closer to the trade deadline. It's only. What, a couple of weeks away, uh, about a week and a half, uh, two weeks away, March 9th, I believe it comes up. So should be a, a lot to watch between now and then. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy your days off as an Avalanche fan. They pick back up again this weekend, Winnipeg and Calgary. We get to see Naz Kadri back here. That's going to be fun. 
But uh, in the meantime, hope you enjoyed the new look to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Nice studio, beautiful studio. As soon as we walked in here to uh, see it, I know that they do coffee break here as well. I'm I'm looking around going, we've got to do the Mile High Hockey Podcast here. And Zach needs to do his hoops podcast here. So we are, we're doing it, and hope you like it. And we'll be here every single week. Thank you again. Thanks to Sean for uh, putting this all together. And we'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.